Welcome to the Bike Pack Adventures Podcast. I am your host, Chris Panaski. This podcast was created so as to share the stories of bike tours, bike packers, and endurance cyclists from around the world as they embark on amazing adventures. Through their stories, you'll be able to learn the ins and outs of bike travel. You'll get insight into various countries and cultures around the world, hear fantastic stories of their journeys. Through both mine and my guests' experiences, you'll learn about the pros and cons of specific gear, bikes, and bike setups. If you're new to bike travel and considering going on an adventure, I hope the podcast provides you with that extra little bit of motivation to make it happen. I want to thank Panorama Cycles, Redshift Sports, Restrap, Race Day Fuel, and Brockman Cyclery for supporting Bike Pack Adventures and helping to keep me on the bike. Check out the show notes for more information about these amazing companies. Thanks and keep on pedaling. Welcome to the Bike Tour Adventures podcast. I am your host, Chris Panaski, and I interview bike tourists from around the world to bring you stories of their adventures and experiences. These are people who get out there and leave the comfort zone of the typical 9 to 5 to embark on ambitious adventures and take on challenges that most people can only dream about. If you like what you hear today, please share this podcast with other bike tours you know, or anyone else you think may be interested. If you want to get in touch, you can email me at info at biketouradventures.com or find me on Facebook and Instagram at Bike Tour Adventures. Welcome to Bike Tour Adventures. This is your host, Chris Panaski, and this is episode 12, the extended version. Now, you might have noticed that there is an extended, there's already an episode 12 down below, but this is the one that goes really into the spirituality, and he talks a lot about, uh, Sam talks a lot about ayahuasca and what a uh, ayahuasca ceremony is. He talks about Mother Earth. Um, Mother Ayahuasca, I forget the name he used, but anyways, uh, you get the gist. This is the stuff I don't quite understand, but for some of you, it might really be interesting. And um, and then you get all the bike stuff too. So, episode 12, extended version. And if you don't want to hear all the religious, not religious, spiritual stuff, head on down to the regular episode 12. Thanks, and talk to you later. Hey Chris. Hey Sam, how you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah, man, that's awesome. I'm glad to glad to have you on the show. I'm looking forward to it. I enjoy this sort of stuff. I actually used to run a podcast myself. Did you? What kind of podcast? Yeah, it was a a podcast around like growth, uh, and and all facets of growth. So like growth for leadership, growth for oh. human potential, growth spiritually, but growth, you know, for physical aspiration. Yeah, yeah. Lots yeah. of lots of different stuff. Oh, very cool. My buddy started a podcast. He kind of the one that kind of got me going into it. Um, he started one called Enlightened Abroad, and it interviews expats. Um, his first season, he was living in Dubai still, so he just did all his episodes in Dubai. So it's like uh, the Dubai, the Dubai Diaries or Dubai Chronicles or whatever, and uh, just yeah, cool. interviewing different expats. And some of them were like really spiritual. Some were like, you know, yoga people. Some were teachers. It was pretty cool, actually. Very, very neat. Nice. Yeah. Cool. How how how's everything with uh, with your cousin? You you spend some good time together? Yeah, no, it's tough. I haven't seen these people in nine years, so it's really really great. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, that's amazing. Same thing. I've been abroad for about fifteen years and just moved back mm. to Canada now. So 
Um, I was going to do a bike trip and then my wife wanted to join me and I said, oh, well, let's go to Quebec City instead because then we don't have to pay for buses. Yeah. And... I saw that Seema crushed out her first 100k day. Impressive, day. right? Like, that was only her sixth day of riding, Woo! like long distance. Yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. I'm really looking forward to... Um... To kind of watching how it all how it all kind of manifests and, and grows as well are yeah. you are you guys going to be doing more after after quebec i'm planning to basically cycle in the summers at the moment um i might do a trip this year while uh because i'm a supply teacher your first year you can't like actually teach full-time i okay. might take a break and go to mexico and cycle the baja peninsula yeah so, that'd be awesome or you did know adam hugel you know who he is so He's going to be getting down yeah. there at some point, and we were kind of just planning. I would fly out there and then cycle it with him. Just yeah, yeah. He's he's a great guy. I've not I've not met Adam, but um, I kind of he was when I was when I was kind of in the process of of planning. Well, I say planning like loosely, kind of yeah. throwing myself into touring. Um, I think him and Lucia had recently just started, and so I kind of he he was quite a big influence um in a very kind of quiet way oh, cool. on on kind of what i wanted to do which was really nice um and we had a couple of chats on instagram and you know just sending them some some kind of kudos and some love um but yeah he's um he's 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 a good dude i like him he he, he comes at things in the in in the right way you know with lots of humility and and yeah. respect and I, I think that's i think that's really important when you're when, when you're doing what what, what we do Anyways, actually, we're, I've been recording the whole time, so uh, just so you know, just oh, because no. it's easier to cut stuff out <laughs> later. <laughs> All right, so you are Sam Rice. Um, I might as well start by saying welcome, right? So, Sam, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, and, and thanks for the invite. Yeah, cheers, man. And uh, why don't you just tell us a bit about yourself? I know you have your own story to tell. Everybody has their own. So uh, let's hear who is mm. Sam Rice. Wow. <laughs> what a question. I suppose it's it's kind of difficult to, to talk about your own story. I think mm -hmm. my story, I think, starts a little bit like a, a Disney Pixar movie, um, <laughs> and a bit a bit like a bit like Finding Nemo in a sense that it starts with a bit of kind of pain and a, a bit of sadness, but then um, I hope becomes a lot more a lot more upbeat yeah. and uh, a lot more kind of fun. But no, I'm I'm Sam um, on Instagram and Facebook and all that social stuff. I go by um, Adventures by Cycle. Um, I grew up in England, the oh, land of rain. Yeah, um, beautiful. Fish and chips, and tea, <laughs> and the Queen. Um, and and funnily enough, as a kid, I never really, and, and growing up, I never really had a huge sense of adventure. Okay. I had a pretty rough start to life. My dad committed suicide when I was oh, 11 okay. years old, which was pretty, pretty huge. Um, and it had, it had a huge effect on, on myself, on my family and, 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 and kind of the world that I then became synchronized with. We, we, we as a family went from having a lot, mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, having, having the best of things in life to pretty much overnight having absolutely nothing. Wow. Um, and my mum. My mum, bless her, uh, kind of went from went from being kind of, you know, a, a, a kind of a, a housewife and mother and, and, and having a really kind of beautiful life mm -hmm. um, to trying to have to figure out and, and, and navigate how to raise three young men oh, wow. um, whilst living on on basically the breadline. So, right. um, yeah, it was it was it was pretty full on. And I think I think growing up, this had a. A huge impact on on kind of how I viewed the world, 
or I suppose as I like to kind of think about it now, it's it's kind of it pushed and influenced the the kind of map that I used to navigate the world at that time. I was um, for, for the longest time I kind of I, I was so focused on becoming someone and making my mum proud and yeah. earning enough money so that I would never ever ever. And, and we as a family would never, ever be in a position like we were in uh, when my dad died. I think for, for a long time, I was kind of locked into uh, the kind of popular emulsion, the, the matrix, <laughs> the matrix of life, if you like. And so I spent a lot of my, my teens and my early 20s um, kind of working hard, working my butt off, really, forging, forging a career and um, I, I studied uh, drama and English at school, and then okay. eventually I got into a completely different field of work, which was which is technology recruitment. Oh, okay. I almost got married, <laughs> and um, and kind of to be honest, uh, right up until I was about probably about twenty five, twenty six, um, had a pretty narrow, pretty narrow view of the world. To be honest, I just I really I really just wanted to try and focus on 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 kind of earning as much money as possible so that I, I, I couldn't and, and, and would never sort of realize some of the life that I had growing up. Right. Your motivations to, to succeed were pretty high on the, the scale of the normal, you know, the average population probably because you'd just experienced so much, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And then, and then a huge kind of life event happened. Um, I, I broke up with uh, the person that I thought I was going to spend the rest of my life with after sort of a near 10 year relationship. Um, and that was in, that was in 2016. Um, and the same year, um, I moved to Melbourne, Australia. Um, and I'd, I'd really love to say that, you know, I moved, you know, to, to explore the world and and outwardly, that's definitely what I told everyone. (laughs) But I think in all, in all honesty, I was, I was running, I was running away from, 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 from what had happened. And I think, um, I think at the time I just thought, well, where is far enough away? So did you get a work and travel visa? And then... um, no, I, because of my work, I actually jumped straight into a, a sponsorship visa. Oh. So I was sponsored from day one, which was great because they paid for my flights and they paid for my first month's accommodation. And it was, oh, it nice. was lovely. It was great. Um, but yeah, but I, I kind of, I, I moved over to Australia. Um, but it was, it was, it was, it was, at the start, it was really hard. Like, you know, I'd moved, I'd moved to the other side of the world. Yeah. It was I had no, I didn't know anyone, no friends, no family, no nothing out there. It, it can be good though, just, right? Like when you, when you just move somewhere, like, cause I've experienced that quite absolutely. a bit. It's a chance to redevelop mm. and rewrite who you are for your story, mm. right? You mm. can change your story. It's a new chapter. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it really, it really did um, help. But um, unfortunately I kind of, uh, in Australia, the first sort of 12 months were, were, were really difficult for me because of, because of kind of what happened with the breakdown of my relationship, I think I, well, I don't think I know, I know I kind of developed a pretty unhealthy relationship with, with alcohol. Um, and I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't ever tell people that I was an alcoholic per se, but Mm -hmm. I definitely, definitely was going that way. Um, and, and kind of used it as a, as a bit of a crutch, to be honest. Um, but, that's the kind of Disney Pixar start, you know, where Nemo and his whole family kind of get wiped out and then he kind of, and, and, and but now, then it kind of gets a bit better. Um, okay. And, and it was, and it was, and it was around, around sort of early 2017 that, 
the kind of things in my life started to kind of shift around. Um, I started to meet some pretty incredible people um, who in kind of direct and also indirect ways, um, this sounds a bit dramatic, but definitely saved my life. Was this uh, the guy Growler? Is that what, you, what his name was? Yeah, 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 Growler. Um, so his real name's Mike, but um, but yeah, Growler. Growler was a huge, huge influence um, on me, and uh, was was one of the kind of key figures that that kind of got me into cycling. Um, when I was when I was in Australia, I used to wake up every morning. I'd go running along the beach at around like six a.m. and I'd see I'd see kind of pelotons of of cyclists just shoot past me. And, you know, they're all kind of lycra'd up and, yeah. <laughs> and that was, and, and that was good fun. Um, and then I just kind of, I just started looking and started talking to the guys. I realized that, that, that kind of, you know, they had a community. It's a community. And, it really is. Yeah. Um, mm, and I'd never really done much cycling before. I mean, you know, as a kid, I used to do some like BMXing and, you know, just stuff with, with your friends, but never really done a huge mix and uh, never really done a huge amount of cycling, but the kind of mix of, um, of community and scenery and being able to cycle along beaches and stuff kind of instantly drew me in. Um, and so I bought my first bike, which was, um, a road bike, like a carbon fiber road bike, because Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what I saw everyone riding. Um, so I started, I started riding, um, uh, like a, a road bike. And from the minute that I sat on the bike, I was completely hooked. Like it was, it was almost, it was almost as if everything that I'd done prior to cycling, like I'd done a lot of like skating and skateboarding and I was a boxer and and I'd done sort of lots of different stuff, but it, I never really felt at home in any sport until I sat on the bike and, and, and within, and within 10 months of buying my first bike, um, I'd, I decided that I wanted to train and also kind of compete in, in a race. Um, and that race, and that race was a 250 K in a day, um, race. It's really famous in Victoria, oh, in, in, in Melbourne, um, called around the Bay in a day. And you won it, right? Um, no, 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 <laughs> far from it, <laughs> far from it, far from it. However, I did beat, I did beat my kind of my proposed time by, by quite a fair whack. Sweet. Yeah. yeah which is good. I have to admit, though, that, uh, when I read your story, it's really similar to my, like when you were talking about, uh on your website your your emotions and stuff when you're on the bike and how it's that place where you zone out and you just get to focus on something a different aspect of mm. life it, it's me man it's exactly how i felt and i and i read that yeah. and i was like that that's how i feel that's what i'm trying to tell people you know when i'm on my bike yeah. 100 kilometers goes pretty fast because you're, you're not thinking about all the shit in your life and you're just kind of focused on turning, sure. turning those legs yeah. forgetting about the pain overcoming that challenge mm. and, and it's awesome it's just mm. a fantastic feeling mm. Yeah. yeah. And it's funny because I kind of, that, what, that race, that race was really pivotal for me because, um, what, what it taught me was that, yeah, I like cycling. Um, <laughs> but it wasn't really, it wasn't really the competition. It wasn't like, you know, getting, getting your, your nicks on and your lycra mm-hmm. and going really fast and beating people. It wasn't the competition that, that lured me in. It was, it was the freedom. It was the freedom that the bike gave me. Mm-hmm. Um, that that and 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 I was able to, in in kind of Taoist thought, there's the idea of like a flow, like a flow state. Um, and I was able to, when I was in that position in the drop bars and just sitting, 
I was able to experience like a really deep meditative flow state where I wasn't worrying about work. I wasn't worrying about, you know, my life and drinking and all that stuff. I was just, I was just cycling and, 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 you know, I was just very present in the moment. Um, and, and, and I loved, I loved, I loved the kind of, I loved climbing hills. I loved the pain of, of, of kind of, you know, getting up and climbing, you know, 13, 14, 15% gradients. Um, obviously the descents, everyone loves the descents (laughs) and I'm no different in that way. Um, and before long, like I was, I was cranking out, you know, kind of 15, 16, 17, 18 hours, um, in the saddle every single weekend. Like I literally would just cycle. I just wouldn't do anything else. I would just cycle. Um, (laughs) and, and, and kind of, and, and, and whilst I was, I was getting into cycling, I, I kind of, I was saving at the same time. Um, I was really fortunate that I was able to work in a job that was paying, you know, a, a decent amount of money and I was able to help people and, 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 and influence people in, in the way that they were, they were kind of achieving their goals as well. So kind of, I was really happy with, with, with where I was and, and, and actually I, I really enjoyed my work. Um, but I was, I was, I was saving, but what was really interesting was that I didn't know what I was saving for, Okay, <laughs> which <laughs> kind of sounds a bit weird, right? Because most people, they have a goal. Right. They're like, I'm going to cycle around the world. And then they go to do that. And I save. need X, Y, and yeah. Z. And then they save. <clears throat> Whereas I, I kind of was just, I kind of had this feeling. I just, I knew that, that something was going to change in my life. And I knew that I was going to transition into something. And I knew that it involved travel. Um, but I just didn't know the kind of orchestration of it. I didn't know how it would all fit together. Um, and that's where, and that's where growler sort of comes in. Okay. Um, I, I used to go down to the coast, um, with a family friend and we'd go and surf and hang out. And then, um, in conversation, I told growler about my bike and, and then he told me about, um, his tour. And, uh, from that point on, it kind of really galvanized, a, a, a kind of sense of adventure and, and spirit inside of me. I was going to say, uh, how does it feel now? Cause he, his stories to you took part a lot in Vietnam, right? In the seventies, you said, I think. And how is yeah, that, so how, how's that now for you being in Vietnam? How's that experience con- compare and contrast with what he told you about Vietnam? Yeah. Um, it's really beautiful. It's, it's, it, it's amazing. And, and he doesn't know this, um, until maybe he listens to this, but, I'm actually retracing a lot of his original route. Oh, that's cool. Um, and, and I'm trying to find the people that he stayed with. I'm trying to camp and, and, and be around the spots that he went. Uh, and, and I'm trying to kind of, I don't know, kind of pay some sort of respect or homage to, yeah. to him and, and, and kind of what he taught me. And the thing about, the thing about Growler is that he, he's an incredibly humble human. Um, he's not one of these people that's very boastful. he, when he was telling me about his stories, he never, he never really, you know, kind of pushed anything. He just, he just kind of, you know, relived. He just relived those accounts and, and, and kind of watching him, watching him recount cycling through the Pamir highway and, Mm -hmm. and, and crossing the, the Karakon pass at like minus 15 degrees. Um, and, and being the first ever cyclist actually to, to enter the, the that border cause it just recently opened. Um, oh, wow. and, and just kind of, and then, and then, you know, all the kind of, all, all the crazy stuff too, like 
you know, he was cycling, um, he was cycling through Egypt on the way to the Sudanese border um, at the time where the Gulf War um, broke out. Oh yeah. And <laughs> yeah. And, and like he was refused entry into Cairo um, just, just like two or three days after 21 Palestinians were killed at the Temple Mount. And, and so, you know, he had to completely change route and, and go a completely different way. And, you know, all these, all of these, these mini challenges and, and things that happen as part of the journey, but throughout it all, you know, he just kind of took it in his stride and, 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 and so having, having a couple of conversations with him, that was it. I, I was hooked and, 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 and I didn't realize it, uh, until probably, you know, that, that first conversation, but I was going to cycle around the world and, and that's, and that's what I was saving for. You know, that's, 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 that's what it was all along. That's awesome. I didn't know it. No one else knew it. Um, but as soon as I, as soon as I sort of, as soon as he sparked that, that, that curiosity in me, I, that was it. I was, I was hooked. Okay. Can you tell, um, talk about your first, uh, you did a 10 day tour, right? Before you ever did your world tour. Uh, you did a 10 day yeah. tour somewhere in Australia. How did that help you learn what you needed, what you didn't need? My kind of foray into, um, into touring was, um, was, it was a bit different and a bit, a bit kind of broken up to be honest, okay. because, um, I, I'd made the decision that I was cycling around the world relatively quickly. And I think I, I was really fortunate because I was doing that kind of secret saving. Um, I, I was really fortunate that I was able to assemble all of the things that I needed relatively quickly. So, I mean, I think I, I think I decided and within three months, um, I'd quit my job. Um, and uh, I kind of canceled my visa for Australia and that's it. I was on the bike. So, um, it, it all came around very, very quickly for me. And so what I figured that I would do is that, um, I had a steep learning curve ahead right. of me, yeah. you know, I, I'd, I'd never toured before. I'd done a bit of camping, but you know, in the UK camping was just sort of like just having a shower really and just getting wet. Um, <laughs> and, and, and kind of, you know, I, I hadn't really had much exposure to much sort of bushcraft and, and that sort of stuff. And so what I kind of figured was I needed a few kind of mini tours to build up uh, my knowledge and also to just try and kind of get that vernacular of, of, of how I wanted to travel and how long I wanted to travel and, and also build up some, some sort of strength and stamina, um, because cycling a 5k Cervelo road bike versus a, mm. a, a 30k steel, uh, steel frame touring bike, yeah. they're, they're worlds apart. <laughs> they just are, they're just worlds apart. Nice. Um, so what I did was I planned, I planned a, uh, a mini 10 day tour from Melbourne, um, to Adelaide. Um, and I, I took the great ocean road, which is a really beautiful picturesque, um, ride that, that predominantly takes you cascading along this kind of amazing, amazing highway okay. with crystal clear waters and, you know, amazing land site, uh, sites to see, and you do some forest climbs and it's, it's wonderful. Um, and I, and I really used that tour to figure out, um, on the job really kind of what I, what I liked and, you know, what, what my gear was like what and how heavy yeah. I needed to be. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and, and it was, it was, it was really great. Um, and then after that I did, I did another couple of sort of short four or five day tours, 
um, in Australia, um, sort of going to, to Wilson's prom and a few other places and just, and just trying to build up, you know, my, my skills. Um, because what's really interesting, I think about cycle touring is that, um, yeah, it's cycling, but it's also, it's also so much more than that. You know, it's like, you have to learn how to, how to balance out, you know, gear yeah. uh, versus kind of, you know, how much weight you need versus durability of that gear. Because if you go super light, that's great. But sometimes that super light stuff, not that durable. Yeah. And, and also it's, it's not that comfortable. <laughs> so, you know, it, it takes a little while of, of kind of, of ebb and flow in until you sort of find out what works for you as an individual. Um, and I think that that, that that's kind of a journey that, that we all go on. Um, yeah when we start cycling, I'm sure you did when, when, when you first started as well. Like, yeah. When I, I did my first tour in Indonesia, I think I had like 20 kilos of gear in two panniers on the back of my mountain bike Yeah. to a, a rack that was Jerry rigged to it. So it didn't have the side to side stability. So every time I climbed Hills, that thing was just swaying and it sucks, but uh, <laughs> it sucked a lot. Like a, like a sailboat going up, going up a hill. <laughs> yeah. Because I didn't have like, I didn't have the screws on the side of the bike, right. To mount a rack. So what I yeah. did is I, I put a piece of, um, you know, that strapping, that metal strapping that has the holes in it. And I basically mm. clamped the two bars together at my seat post. So they had no stability side to side. It was, it was garbage, but it worked. I mean, I made it, I, I did 1500 K I survived and, uh, I learned a lot. So that was, that was the key, right? Yeah. yeah. I bet. What what was the sending like? <laughs> I bet that was, I bet that was a, a, a hoot, right? It was fun. Yeah. Indonesia is great. Awesome mountains. Um, tough riding though. Like a lot of highways and dangerous, a little bit dangerous, but it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I've not cycled in Indonesia. I backpacked in Indonesia, but, um, I've not, I've not cycled. Right. I um, saw you, perhaps sta- I might. you started your tour in Penang, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I flew to Penang. Yeah. Um and again and again actually this 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 part was, was also a kind of a, a conscious choice for me in a sense of I um I kind of used the first leg of my tour, um like parts of Malaysia and then a month or sorry, five weeks in um in in Thailand mm-hmm. again as a bit of a kind of um a learning ride um to be honest so i i started in penang mm-hmm. um and 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 kind of did that and then i i cycled north um up through kuala police yeah. um and then up into i crossed at wang pracham um and then into satun and trang and yeah. and up 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 did you stay um, to the west make- coast or did you cross over at like um oh i forget the name of this big city in the middle no i crossed o- i crossed over to the east um uh because i wanted to go up to um surat surat tani Suratani, and then hop o- hop o- hop over and do some um some islands yeah so i did um Kausam- uh, koh samoy um actually i, I did I, I did koh samoy at songkran which was a really <laughs> a really really interesting experience oh, that's great actually um, yeah. it's a great time yeah and i got absolutely covered um which you know cycling in thailand is hot especially when i was there in in, in april yeah. um a- april may time and so um it was beautiful just constantly getting soaked it was it was great i loved it yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. awesome my wife and i were in Laos for songkran it was great it was amazing as well yeah nice 
So yeah, you haven't been going that long. It's only been since March or February. You started in February, right? Yeah, yeah, I started in February. Started in February in, in Australia. It's good. I like doing this conversation now because you're only, um, what, five, six months into your tour and it's going to be cool and it's interesting to see how things change for you over the next year, two years, however long it goes. Mm. Yeah, no, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to it too. I think so far I've done about, I've done about four and a half thousand kilometers on, on the kind of Southeast Asia leg of the tour. Right. And then I don't really count the stuff in Australia because I, I, I really see that as, as kind of just, just sort of training and, 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 and kind of finding my feet. But I think that was around sort of 1500 K. Oh, okay. So yeah. yeah, I ran, it's around sort of four and a half thousand for this, um, this part. So it's still really early to be honest. Are you still planning to go towards Nepal? So from, I guess, once you get up into North Vietnam, you're going to go through Laos, is it? And then back into Thailand or what's the plan there? Yeah. 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 So, um, cycle, um, Hanoi, Hanoi up to Hat Giang, mm -hmm. And then we're going to do the, the Hat Giang loop, um, loop, well, a part of the loop, loop into Sapa and then, um, into Northern Laos and then into Northern Thailand um, I've done South, but not North. So yep. I'm really excited for Northern Thailand. Um, we're going to do the May Hong song. Um, and then, fun. and then we're, and then we're going to scoop down to May Sot, um, do, uh, Myanmar and, cross the um, and then cross into, uh, Northeast India. Mm -hmm. Uh, so Manipur, um, Nagaland, I'm going to make a little detour to Darjeeling. Um, because I've heard that it's beautiful and a few of my friends have been there backpacking and said it's amazing. So, and then from there, um, the, the, the kind of intention at least is, is to get to Nepal. Um, and once in Nepal, uh, I want, I want to climb to, um, Everest base camp. Okay. Um, and I, and I also want to spend a month in a, a monastery there um, called the Copan monastery, oh, okay. um, which has been a, which has been a real, a real kind of, um, influence on, on the last probably 12, 18 months of my life. And so, cool. um, I'm, I'm really keen to go there and, and spend some time practicing and, and yeah. being around that, that, that kind of energy. You could actually get in touch. Uh, sorry, I was going to say, you can get in touch with a guy named, uh, Scott Sherrick. He cycled through Northern Thailand to Mesut through Myanmar. And then, uh, he also did Bangladesh for a little while, which had like a daily police escort. They just escorted him everywhere. Yeah. I know Scott. Um, okay. We we had coffee a couple a couple a couple of weeks back in Siem Reap. Oh, did you? Nice. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We traded we traded some info. I told him about where to go in South Thailand and down into Malaysia, and he told me about about that exact route. So what you just said. So oh, yeah, good. it's beautiful. And 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 that's and that's really and that's something that I kind of want to lean into as well for for for, for kind of anyone that's that's listened to this that that wants to kind of get into touring. I think really the one of the most beautiful things that I've found about about touring is, is the community. And yeah. I'm sure you found it as well. Yeah. You know, it's so, it's so easy nowadays with different social media to, to, to get like insights and advice. And, you know, like just the other day I was cycling up to Dalat and the route that I wanted to take was this really beautiful scenic route. And, um, and it, we had re really heavy rain the night before and there mm. was loads of landslides and the road, I got about 40K up the road and the landslides has completely blocked the road. Oh, wow. So I turned around and I was like, ah, I don't really know what road to take because there's like three options. 
So I jumped on, I jumped online. I spoke to my friend Tamu and I was like, Hey Tamu, you've done this route. What do you advise? And she was like, Oh, go this way. It's the best. And like within 10 minutes, um, I'd, I'd had a new route and, and it was beautiful and it was, it was a really amazing ride. Um, so yeah, just the community is really, is really kind of knocked me off my feet yeah. to be honest and, and really, really opened up a, a, a kind of an exciting side of, 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 of this tour. Yeah. It's just a different, uh, I guess like to put into some kind of analogy, it's, it's a different spoke of a wheel of what is the biking community, right? Like one spoke might be this road bikers group in tight Lycra and then you got this next <laughs> community and that's, Apples. that's all your bike tours and whatnot. So, and it is, it's small. It's, yeah. it's amazing how you run across people. Um, mm, yeah, definitely. Like it you, really you messaged me about warm showers. Unfortunately, I wasn't living in Cambodia anymore. And then sure enough, you happen to know Scott, you happen to know, Ad, you know who Adam is. And yeah. it, it's really, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh, nice. What kind of bike are you using just to change topics slightly? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so I'm riding, um, I'm riding a, a fairly unheard of, uh, kind of well, globally unheard of bike. God, I like that. Um, it's, it, it's a brand it's a brand called Vivente. Um, oh, okay. they're, they're an, they're an Australian brand, um, an Australian bike company. And when I was, when I was looking at, um, what bike to get, obviously I did the, the usual kind of like, you know, asking on forums and talking to people and everyone was saying, mm. get a surly long haul trucker. And everyone's got a surly and, 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 and for good measure as well, because surly make really great bikes. Yeah. They're tried and tested. They're all these things, but, I didn't want to be just another, um, surly rider and, and, you know, part of, part of my sentiment and part of who I am is I like to try and support people that are, that are trying something different, that are giving it a go, you know, and that, mm-hmm. and that care about more than, more than just making money. And I felt when I did a direct comparison between say a disc trucker and the Vivente Decan that I'm, I'm cycling with now, um, I felt like the surly, the Surly was great and, 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 and amazing, but I'd have to fork out like another thousand dollars cause I bought it in Australia. So another thousand dollars to kind of get the bike to what I wanted it to be. Okay. You know, whereas the Vivente came out the box with like all the right componentry. It had like a, a dyno hub built in with lights. It had a tubus rear rack. It had like really great rims, brilliant tires, um, it had all of the things that I needed for the same price as the Surly. It just didn't have, it didn't have that kind of that 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 brand behind it, you right? Know? And and then I met and then I met the owner of Vivente Bikes um, at my local bike store, and I had a chat with him, and I didn't even know he was the, I didn't even know he was the founder. Okay. And I just I just sort of I was just chatting to him, and he told me a bit about you know the bikes and their story and you know, why he decided to start building the bikes. And he's like six foot seven or something ridiculous like that. And he couldn't find a bike that fitted him. <laughs> so he started, he started basically designing bikes for, for his own use. And oh, then okay. from there, people, people just started to like it. And so his ethos is like, let's just build really good bikes with really good components for a really good price. And, um, yeah, fair enough. and that's a message that I can support. <laughs> yeah. And it's good to support the small so, guys yeah. too, right? Because like if everybody buys Surly's, that's great. They're good bikes, like you said. There's nothing wrong with them. It's you're definitely people buy them for a reason. But then there's like mm. these small startups, and and they need people to support them too. So if you feel like that, you you kind of yeah. mesh with their ideology and stuff. Why not, right? So 
and the bike's been fantastic i've i've had zero zero problems i mean it's still early days but i've i've had zero problems and i've really put it through the ringer yeah because um i mean a lot of the, a lot of the cycling that i do like i'm heavily influenced by another australian uh cyclist called ali denham i know um, and ali's yeah so ali's, ali's a bit crazy and he he's like a single track like bike packing rider but he uses yeah. a full touring rig <laughs> and panniers and everything yeah so, it's funny so like so i kind of i kind of do a little bit like what he does i don't you know sometimes you have to get on the roads and follow yeah. highways but wherever possible i try and i try and just sort of let my nose guide me and, I, and that normally leads me down you know kind of cool. single track and dirt roads and really bumpy kind of stuff through forests yeah. and stuff and and I enjoy that, you know, it's slower, but it's, it's just more fun for me. So you don't, you don't consider changing to like more of a bike packing setup in order to just balance that load a bit better. Hmm. Or you like what you got now? Um, I think I was having this conversation, you know, with, with someone really recently. <laughs> it's really funny because the whole bike packing thing is really zeitgeisty right now. It's really kind yeah. of like popular and, and fashionable. Right. But, in my, in my opinion, this is literally just my opinion, my perception of it, but, but bike packing is in, in some respects, I believe it's just an abstraction of bike touring because ostensibly what we're trying to achieve is the same thing. Yeah. You know, we're, we're trying to be human powered, we're trying to, you know, explore this world on, in a, in a medium in which we love. And that's, and that's mm-hmm. the bike, the bicycle. Um, the only real difference I kind of see is for me, like if I, a lot of a lot of the riding that that I want to do is is kind of multi year and it's multi continent and continent as and well. Multi terrain so as well. Like yeah. and multi terrain. So I'm I, you know I'm I'm crossing. I hope that I'll be on this on on this journey for the next couple of years. And so I think when I was weighing up my options and and later on as well, when I've started to think about oh should I've got a you know should I've got a surly ECR or should I've got like a salsa or something like that yeah because they're, they're they're you know they're beautiful bikes but when I started to really kind of do the math and look at it um away from ego and away from from just like oh shiny thing shiny thing yeah. um and I started to realize like I'm carrying this amount of weight and I'm going to this country and I plan to be at this elevation and over these gradients and the, all the all of the directions point me towards actually sticking with a steel frame touring bike for this, for this part of the tour. Um, and, and, you know, you can, you can achieve the same thing by using, you know, really amazing, um, packs, you know, the seat packs and the frame bags and stuff. You can, you can really do some great stuff, but I think when it, when it comes to balancing a load, especially when you want to try and keep your weight, you know, as low down as possible so Mm -hmm. you you can climb and, and descend better. I think that like a, touring setup with panniers is is the is the right choice for me at least cool um however however that said if i if i if i choose if i choose to go to south america which is something that i'm really 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 keen on i think i'd switch my bike to a more um sort of bike packing type rig yeah something that will allow me to have you know fatter tires and and, and, and kind of something that's a bit more accustomed to that type of um, terrain because I won't be on roads. I'll be, you know, very much kind of 
you know, up in the mountains and on single track and mm -hmm. doing lots of sort of exploratory stuff away from the roads. And we're not all nearly as hardcore as Ali and can do like single track with front panniers and all that stuff too. Like that's pretty oh. sick. Um, actually, order, guy, I'm, I'm ordering those handlebars. I'm ordering the handlebars he designed. Um, I've been looking at them. The and, denim bars. Yeah. And I can't find them yeah. in Canada. There's no, no distributors. So I actually got hold of a... I, I saw him on the bike packing and touring or something website or Facebook group and messaged him and said, Hey man, do you know any distributors that'll ship to Canada? So he shot me a couple of links and uh, one of them, he said, yep, just, uh, get in touch. And, um, I saw him on the trip right now. So when I get back to Ottawa, I'll sort that out. Yeah. Try cool. Out. Why He's, not? Um, those bars, those bars are, are really cool. I've actually, I've actually ridden, um, and tried out the Malo the Maloco bars by Surly, right? And also the 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 crazy bars, which he used to use. Um, yeah, the, the right. yellow orange mm -hmm. crazy bars. Um, but like like he said, you know, they're they're the angles they're, they're great slightly bars. Slightly wrong, right? But yeah, yeah, they're just they're just a bit. There's uh. and the thing I like about Ali is that like, and he and I think I hope you won't mind me saying this, but like at at, at the heart of it all, like he's a full on geek. Like he's a full on oh, he? bike geek. <laughs> Oh, full on. And like, this guy is a wealth of knowledge. He knows like yeah. so much, but, but he's so, he's so open with his knowledge and he'll, he shares it. Like his, 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 his website, cyclingabout.com is one of the most valuable resources I think out there for yeah. anyone that's into touring or bikepacking or whatever, you know, insert fashionable word here. Like he's just got so much knowledge yeah. to share. So he's got like, everything's there and mm. like, it's just, you have to navigate it carefully and you'll find what you're looking for. So it's pretty sweet. Yeah, it's a journey. It's a journey. The whole website thing. Hey, yours is going to come along and it's going to be, yeah. it's going to be a beautiful thing. I'm, I'm sure it'll change a million times probably before it gets to that point, but that's, that's just the way it goes. Right. Yeah. And it should, and it should as well. Yeah. It should change. It should change to, to suit the, the, the kind of readership and, 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 and who, who interacts with it because the only thing that really there's three things in life that I think are, are, are undeniable and that's death taxes and change. And I think, <laughs> I think good. that change, I think that change is going to be, you know, the, the most beautiful thing. Yeah, and yeah. I, I wish you, I wish you were the best of it. I think Cheers, it's going to be a, an awesome thing. And I'm, I'm really glad to be a part of the, the podcast in its early kind of embryonic state. Yeah. I mean, there's some out there that, you know, they're in hundred and 200 episodes. I'm like, Ooh, maybe I'll be there one day. You never know. Like it could happen. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> a spirituality. You were talking about spirituality a bit, and I wonder how that plays into your bike touring. You said you want to do a month in Nepal, and how did that come about? Um, well, kind of casting back to uh, to kind of the the whole Finding Nemo, Disney Pixar okay. side. Um, once I once I kind of um, once I kind of came face to face with the idea that if I didn't make some pretty stark changes in my life, I probably was going to be an all out alcoholic. Mm -hmm. Um, and I kind of got into the point where I was hurting myself and I was hurting other people and, um, not, not physically, but you know, through action and stuff yeah. like that, or sometimes in inaction most of the time, actually in my case. Um, yeah. And I just, I just, I got to the point where kind of just, just kind of got a bit sick of, um, of feeling the way that I was feeling. And I, uh, around that time I met a, a, a kind of a series, a, a Peloton, if you like, of, of different people that, that kind of had a huge, a huge impact on my life besides Growler. Um, I met a girl who was a Sufi Muslim. Okay. Yeah. Um, and is she Persian, and, and, Iranian and, or, or Indian? 
Yeah, so she, she was um, she, she was born in Afghanistan, um, although grew up in Dubai, okay. and then moved to Melbourne. Um, and she introduced me to a lot of, of really kind of amazing stuff. Um, she sort of introduced me to sort of mysticism in, in a lot of kind of like wider, broad contexts. She introduced me to Buddhism and a lot of key sort of focal people that would then go on to be sort of teachers of mine. Um, indirectly, people like Alan Watts and Terence McKenna and um, Timothy Leary and, and and people like that. And okay. I kind of grow, growing up, I, I'd always had a huge interest in kind of philosophy and um, like poetry, and was heavily influenced by kind of beatnik poetry and and that sort of stuff. And so um, I suppose like kind of a bit like Ali, uh, my heart, I'm a bit of a geek too, and I love I love research and I love like tracing things back to their kind of core and okay. I suppose that their, their, their truth. And so um, it was really the kind of idea of, of a kind of Buddhist practice and Buddhist thought that, that, that through kind of meeting her that I, I kind of really latched onto. Um, and at the time I, I felt like I needed to find a way to kind of. Before continuing on with the podcast, I just want to thank some of the bike tour adventures sponsors. Bike tour adventures is proudly sponsored by redshift sports. Founded in 2013 by a team of mechanical engineers who happen to be avid cyclists, they've been focused on creating components that make a meaningful difference to the riding experience, such as the switch aero system, the shock stop suspension system, and the kitchen sink handlebar system. I've been using the dual position seat posts paired with the shock stop stem since 2020 and have nothing but great things to say about their products. Use the checkout code BTA15 on their website to save 15%. Beginning in 2010 with environmental sustainability as a main focal point, Restrap has been in the bag-making business for quite some time. Having used a race bag since 2021, I find their holster system and magnetic buckles to be extremely effective and truly unique. Use the checkout code BTAPOD10 to save 10% at checkout. Lastly, named after the animal that roams the Tibetan plateau, Chiru Endurance Bikes was started by Pierre Arnaud Le Magnin in 2009. After noticing the lack of endurance bikes on the market, Pierre used his expertise, know-how, and racing experience to create high-end carbon fiber and titanium bikes for the discerning rider and racer. Thanks, and back to the podcast. Uh, to, to sort of balance and, and kind of integrate my mind and my body together. And I felt like I, I owed it to myself to actually start kind of listening to myself and trusting myself a bit more. Um, and it was through it was through kind of that that research of of kind of Alan Watts, who's a, a an amazing amazing teacher. And if anyone you know wants to listen to anything amazing, just get onto Audible or YouTube or whatever okay. and, and and listen to Alan Watts. He's he, he's been a tremendous tremendous influence in my life. Um, he he kind of he's he's often known and, and refers to himself as a uh as, as a stand-up philosopher so he comes at philosophy with real humor and real kind of humility and and it's just amazing okay anyway um so it was around that time that i was i was i was sort of struggling with myself and struggling with alcoholism and struggling with kind of what i wanted to do with my life i was sick of uh, of, of kind of just devoting my time to working um and then i kind of i stumbled across through conversations with a few people um this kind of this this plant-based medicine um practice predominantly in in south america around peru in the amazon um called called ayahuasca um and uh, ayahuasca in itself is um, the combination of, of 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 two plants a root and a leaf 
Um, the leaf itself contains a psychoactive or a psychedelic um, substance called DMT. Okay. Um, DMT is now becoming very, very kind of popular. Um, a lot of people, you know, from Joe Rogan to um, Mike Tyson to Tim Ferriss, Michael Pollan, a lot of amazing people are, are, are now starting to really extol the virtues of, of, of DMT as a um, as a as a, a way, a gateway to to kind of break down some of the stigmas and some of the kind of illusions that you build up about yourself. Yeah, I've I've um, heard about ayahuasca through uh, another podcast called Bulletproof uh, Radio, and he talks yeah, about it. Yeah, he goes on about it quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. And so, and so, yeah, for about 12 months, I kind of toyed with the idea of going to ceremony and it really was about 12 months. Um, I kind of flirted with the idea of like, do I go, do I not go? And, you know, what happens if like, you know, I go and it's, you know, I kind of, it, I lose my mind and, you know, all these kind of things that, that, that are very natural yeah. um, feelings when you, when you're about to experience something like this. But eventually I, um, I kind of plucked up the courage and, and well, in fact, no, that's, that's not true. I don't know if I plucked up the courage. I, I arrived at a point where I felt I was ready. I felt okay. comfortable enough that I was able to, and, and, and really vulnerable enough, open enough to, to kind of experience this. And what is ceremony? Can um, you tell us? Oh yeah. Okay. So, um, so a key distinction in, in, in kind of ayahuasca experiences is that, um, oftentimes or sometimes people refer to ayahuasca as a drug um, and it, it's not um, it's 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 a plant-based medicine um, that needs to be practiced in a very 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 unique way um, so you you go to ceremonies and ceremony in 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 South America can normally traditionally last about 10 days okay. and it's split with like th three days of ceremony two days of integration through you know mind body through sound healing through yoga through uh, vegan food through you know lots of different practice and then uh. another three days and, and it repeats um, where I practiced and the community that I practice with in, in Australia, we split it out over three days, so a Friday, a Saturday, and a Sunday. And so um, an ayahuasca experience is led by a shaman. Mm -hmm. um, uh, in, 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 in our circle, the shaman is called an ayahuasquero, um, and they have to practice quite deeply um, for, for many, many years to kind of get that title. It's not it's not like um, it's not like a party drug where you know like you'll you'll pop like an ecstasy tablet or you'll take some MDMA or yeah. you know a bit of cocaine or something like that. It's 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 worlds apart from that, both in 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 kind of experience and also in in kind of the the holistic nature of of kind of what you'll get. So the, these things are these things are plants um, and they're not synthetic. They're not man-made. Um, and they need to be treated with a certain amount of respect. And I presume At least that's what, that's what kind of I presume that your experience too is like, I mean, you can have that just kind of getting fucked up experience if you're not doing it. Like, like you said, in the ceremony, you know, if you're not following some protocols and like putting yourself into a state mm -hmm. where you're going to get the most from it. Right. It's not just a matter of taking. Yeah. It. Yeah. It can be very, it can, it, it can be quite dangerous. I think, I mean, I, I've never met anyone that has not tried ayahuasca in in ceremony before and so i can't really talk on that i mean mm -hmm. i've met a, quite a few people that have smoked dmt okay but the two experiences again are very different if you smoke dmt the experience is very very vigorous and lasts for about 10 to 15 minutes whereas 
an ayahuasca experience will last six, eight, ten hours. Okay. And so I suppose I suppose it's you know to it's kind of analogous to the difference between a sprint and a, a tour. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's like you can you can you can unpack and you can unlock and achieve. I feel much more um, when you have a greater amount of time to to kind of sit with the medicine, and um, and and you meet you uh, most people meet a uh, a maternal figure. Mm-hmm. Uh, most times she's known she goes by different names. Like sometimes people call her Mother Ayahuasca, sometimes she's called Pachamama. Um, like basically, you know, the the kind of like Mother Earth. Okay. Um, and and she she kind of what what effectively she does is she she to kind of quote an ACDC song um she she gives you what you need and not what you want mm. um and that's and that's a pretty important distinction because lots of people go to these ceremonies with an idea a fixed idea of what they want and they're like I want to do this and I want that and um oftentimes they get something very different <laughs> and um and yeah it can be it can be quite it can be quite um intense for people for sure gotcha and um what's the legality issues around this uh ayahuasca for anybody who's interested in finding so, a ceremony I th- so i think it depends it depends on where you are in the world i think um in south america it's 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 legal because it is plant-based um, and it also, it's a very, very important part of their, their social fabric and also their culture. And, you know, in, in, in some places in Peru, ayahuasca ceremonies are, are practiced as, uh, with, with, with young men as, as young as eight years old, Okay. obviously in a very, very, very small, mild dose, but, um, and control as, as young as sort of, sort of eight years old. And, um, but I think, I think in, in Australia, I think it's, it's, uh, it's illegal. I think around the world, it's probably illegal. Okay. Um, but you know, it's um, accessible. <laughs> uh, it, well, I think it's one of those things you you sort of, you know, you you can't just do a Google search and come up with it. You have to be part of, you know, a a kind of community. And that's not to make it sound like you know it's an elitist thing. It's really it's not like that. None of the people associated with it are. But I think it's just like one of those things you you. you it will it will present itself to you and the opportunity will present itself to you at a time when you're ready to experience it okay i think is the easiest way to kind of summarize <laughs> and how did this guide you like this guided you out of your your time of troubles we should say and then it pushed mm, you towards yeah, the so, openness of a bike tour or like just the, the new experiences or yeah yeah um so yeah sorry for rambling a little bit no, but okay. um to kind of to, to kind of add a little bit of context to what it is and to kind of make it make it a bit more kind of palpable um what what ayahuasca or at least the kind of active ingredient of ayahuasca dmt what it what it does is um, at the very top of your um sort of spine and the, the very small part of your brain there's a gland called the pineal gland okay. and not much research, not much scientific or, or, or neurological research has been done about this gland. But really all that we know is that for some strange reason, whenever in our lives we encounter trauma, um, huge stress, like, you know, death, mm-hmm. you know, all that kind of stuff, you know, huge. And, and in my early life, I kind of had quite a lot of that. 
um, through series of different kind of periods. Um, and 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 what what happens is that your pineal gland it locks in those feelings, and then it kind of informs the way that you view the world. And it it, it kind of to kind of use what an analogy I used earlier, it kind of informs the map that you use to navigate that world. And so it builds fear. It builds the idea of not being kind of worthy, or at least in my case, and and kind of just wanting to to kind of focus on you and your little world and your bubble and that's okay. what it was for me and so and so really what what ayahuasca kind of did for me was that i'm very very thankful for this it uh, she she gave me two things across two ceremonies the first thing was that really what she what that experience gave me was it gave me an opportunity to to kind of press reset and and, and i use that in a kind of uh a very kind of open and kind of ephemeral way because I didn't reset in terms of I didn't lose my sense of self. I didn't lose my personality and who I was. And mm-hmm. like, I, it wasn't anything like that, but I felt like after the three days, I felt that all of the chains and all of the self doubt and all of the, the kind of things that were chaining me to this little ego based existence, they, they were removed. And I felt I felt like my curiosity and my imagination was was boundless. I felt like I could achieve anything, and 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 I and I, and I was like someone had turned the the kind of adventurous curiosity inside my heart, and they'd like turned it all the way up from zero to a hundred, okay. and it had just gone boom through the roof, and I no longer sort of clung to this idea of self, and I didn't. I didn't care about material things, whereas I did before. I didn't care about how much money I had or status or, you know, I didn't care about what I looked like or any of these things. I just, I just, it gave me an opportunity to kind of look at my life and just in a really simple way, Mm -hmm. just ask why. I just, everything that, everything that I did from that point on, I just asked why a lot. Oh, interesting. Why do I, why do I think like this? Why do I feel like this? Why, why do, do I care you care so much about this? Yeah. Yeah. Why do Why do you present yourself to me like this? And why do I let your energy and the way that you behave? Why do I let that affect me when I I don't I don't need to? I have a choice in this. Um, and it really it really it really really um, it, it changed my life. It, it completely changed my life. Did this just allow you to to then? with the questions of why to just get rid of the people that were negatively impacting your life. Is that what's, uh, what happened? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, yes and no, because the thing was kind of contrastly, I didn't really have a huge amount of negative people in my life, okay. but what I was able to do was I was able to drop myself. I dropped, I dropped the negativity that was inside me oh, okay. and I dropped that. I dropped that idea of, you know, those, those small voices that we all have inside of us, you know, the different selves that we present to the world. Um, I was able to drop that, that, that one that was saying, you, you can't do this. Like, that's a bad idea. You won't be able to make it. And all of those kind of gentle nagging voices. Um, and I was able to drop that. And, um, and through my second, and through my second um, ceremony, um, something quite profound happened. I asked, I actually asked her for something, which is, um, something that never normally comes true and normally ends uh, in, in in kind of tears for a lot of people. But for me, it was really 
um, it was really quite amazing. I asked her to take away um, this addiction to to alcohol. Okay. Um, and I pleaded with her for two days. Um, and her, her and is Mother she, Earth, right? You're talking the Mother Ayahuasca. Yeah, the kind of yeah the the kind of the the, the female entity that, that that you that you experience and that you meet um, when journeying on on Ayahuasca. Okay. Um, and she's she's undeniably female. Um, because she's very, she's beautiful and she'll show you very euphoric, very incredible and very enlightening things. Um, but she'll also kick your ass. Um, <laughs> if you, um, yeah, if you, if you kind of, if, if you want something, um, but yeah, I asked her to take it away from me and, um, she, she made me, she made me basically relive, uh, the feelings uh, from all sides of perception to all the people that I've ever hurt, um, through, through alcohol. And so I, I got to witness and feel what it was like for the people that I'd, I'd hurt, whether that's through my words or through actions. And then I got to feel and witness and view everything that happened in their lives as a result of my words, as a result of my actions. And um, she made me relive it 15 times over and over and over and over again until the point where I was in a flood of tears. Um, I was begging her to stop. Um, and I genuinely, genuinely thought that like this, this, this episode, this period in my mind would never stop. Oh, okay. um, but, but thankfully it got to a point where I, I think I broke through and I learned and I listened and, I, I experienced enough and within an instant, um, she, she took it from me and she said, you've, she said, you know what you need to know. And I grew with that. I grabbed my bucket and I was really, really sick. Um, but it was the most beautiful sick in my entire life. Like I loved the feeling of being sick. Um, okay. it's a common, a, a common kind of symptom of, of ayahuasca. You, you purge. You okay. purge out the negativity, you purge out the toxins. Um, and with that, the next morning I woke up and uh, my my thirst for alcohol was completely gone. And from that day, from that day on, I've I've never touched a single drop of okay, alcohol. So you don't again. drink at all now? No, never. Oh wow. Okay. Nothing. Nothing. Not even not even as much as I as much as it pains me, not even like you know, a little bit of kind of coffee liqueur in your tiramisu or okay. not even, you know, like, you know, a little bit of rum. And I Do mean, you I, feel I used to, that I used... if you did have alcohol, it would be like a step back and that you might feel that addiction need again. And it's just the way to avoid it. Like, kind of like what an alcoholic on the wagon does. Yeah. Or... Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. You just um, don't want to take the chance. It's, right? it's really, it's not worth it. Well, but, but it, it, it's not even, it's not even that it's, um, it's like, I don't even have the compulsion to okay. drink. It's, it's, it's really hard to explain. It's not like, no, I can't drink because I'm a recovering alcoholic or no, I can't drink because, um, you know, it doesn't agree with me. It just, I just don't even have it. Like I don't, when people offer me a beer, I just, I'm just like, no, I'm cool. I'll have a water. Okay. And, um, when you're bike touring, I mean, you must have had this experience several times where you have locals trying to give you alcohol and 
how does that play out when yeah. we were like, no, thanks. And they're probably thinking like, what is wrong with this guy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's an interesting, it's an interesting one. I kind of over, over the last sort of, you know, months that I've, I've, I haven't drunk. I, I kind of have developed a bit of a, <laughs> a bit of a, a bit of a kind of free strike rule where like the first time someone offers me a drink, I say, no, thank you. Um, I don't drink. And then if they kind of, ask again i say um i say i don't drink it it doesn't serve me anymore and hoping that kind of you know they might pick up on some of the the kind of nuance in that statement um and then the third time if they keep pushing and keep pushing um then i just sort of say you know uh, i can't drink I, I i i used to drink too much or something like that and then people normally kind of read into that and go okay um and we've and with locals, I normally just, you know, say, thank you so much. Um, I can't accept I'm cycling. And then I, then I just cycle off, <laughs> <Peace out. laughs> but yeah, peace. And then I just sort of shoot off. <laughs> so right now you're in, you're in Vietnam and you have your friend, girlfriend, what do I call She's coming up to cycle with you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, girlfriend, partner. Yeah. So, um, her name's Beck. And she's coming to meet me in, oh, I think 14 days, 13 days in Ho Chi Minh, oh, yeah, nice. in Saigon. Uh, yeah, so it's 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 a funny story this one because, you know, I, in in that kind of three month period that I was like, right, that's it, boom, I'm I'm going to cycle the world. The um, it came to a, sh- a bit of a shock to a lot of people, mm-hmm. and a lot of people knew that I liked cycling, but they didn't know that I was going to do that, and. Um, Beck actually uh, was working with me and she'd recently joined and it was at the point where, you know, I was going through a lot of change in my life and I just kind of, you know, when you're going through as much as that and, you know, I was starting to take Buddhism more seriously mm-hmm. and, you know, I was starting to plan this, this trip and all these things. I was like, Phew, I just, I can't, I can't deal with having a, a partner with having a girlfriend. I can't, I can't deal with that right now. So I was just like, no, I'm not, I'm not looking. Um, and then in the end we kind of just like, it just happened and 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 we kind of we just we we knew we knew that we were attracted we knew that we were really really kind of compatible okay um but it was just kind of it was it was situational in a sense of you know she knew that i was leaving she knew that i had all these little mini tours but she has absolutely kind of risen to the occasion and um in six months or five and a bit months she's um saved she's got a bike actually she's running with Vente too um uh we've like made her a, a bespoke setup that's really really different to, to sort of you know mine or anyone anything else out there okay. um and and she's coming to join me um that's so, cool. so so yeah it's kind of it's it's, it's funny because we've been together for for kind of six months but we kind of haven't really been in each other's space for for kind of five four and a half five months of it so okay. it's been it's been it's been interesting so it'll be interesting to see how the tour goes it's going to be great but she's um she's awesome she's a fantastic human being um she's from new zealand um originally okay. and so she grew up she grew up with a very very different um life to me you know she was adventuring since she was basically like yeah yeah like she was camping since she was a kid and surfing and um you know like doing all sorts she's she's super super adventurous she's done a load of travel load of backpacking um she's really 
optimistic she's like she's a real beach baby and a real oh, cool. nature yeah. nature head so the the hope the hope is that she will slow me down a little bit um because i think sometimes i have a a tendency when i'm in that flow state on the bike you're to just still, you're still a road biker in some ways in heart you're still on a road bike yeah yeah i just like the bike for me is just a medium through which i see the world mm-hmm. like i love the bike don't get me wrong but like i just i love being on it i don't really care if it's like you know heavy or all these things and i don't really care if i've got the best gear and all that sort of stuff i just i just love being on the bike and i mm-hmm. love the the pace in which you get to see the world and experience it um but yeah i mean back to back it's going to be it's going to be an interesting um new kind of tenant and a new kind of part of of our journey because you know we're we're kind of going to be in each other's space for 24 7 and 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 i think that that's going to be a new a a new challenge but a really good challenge yeah um so i'm i'm super excited I, i i really i really can't wait and i think just getting like when you do need that time apart because you know you've been apart so much. So when you do need that space, you just let the person go to a cafe, do their thing. And one of you chills yeah. out and you just got to make sure you get like that. The communications are, I guess that's the, that's the key. And she's, she's a wonderful photographer as well. She's really, really great. And, um, you know, photography is something that I've started to take seriously, probably only, uh, probably really only over the last sort of three months, three to four months. I kind of, you know, I haven't really done much photography, but, one of the beautiful things that that cycling around the world gives you, I think is, I think it gives you an opportunity to claim back some of your time. And I think time, time is a currency that is the most valuable currency in the entire world. And um, again, I mean, this whole idea of like alternate uh, alternative currencies is a huge influence on, on this tour for me. And we can get into that in a sec if you, if, if you want, but I think time, time is, is the most valuable currency that we have. And so, just just by virtue of being able to to kind of orchestrate your life how you want and being able to be like you know what today i'm only going to cycle 50k and i'm going to go and sit on the beach and i'm going to learn about natural light and you know how to take photos you know on the beach and i'm going to learn how to use lightroom and and or vseo and i'm learn how to edit and just being able to claim back that time and use it in a meaningful way and use it in a way that kind of you know isn't just being absorbed into social media or you know watching netflix shows Mm -hmm. and there's nothing wrong with that because we all need our downtime for sure but you know being able to to come at things with with more purpose and yeah. sort of say what do i want to learn and being able to have the time to do it is yeah. it's 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 amazing that brings me back to something adam used to say like when i when i met him and when he was staying in my house in cambodia and that was about every video he wants to incorporate one new trick or skill or thing he learned about editing to make it just a bit better i think like learning is learning is something that i've been fascinated with my entire life I think learning is super important and I think Adam's got it right because a lot of the time when we think about learning, we think about it as a, you know, a kind of start and an end. It's like, I'll invest this amount of time and I'll like drill my brain for like eight hours a day and I'll learn, 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 learn. And then I'll have this thing, you know, this destination, this goal. But, but in my experience, and I'm sure, you know, in yours, you're a teacher and I'm sure you, you, you probably know way more than about this than me, but really the best learning is incremental. 
you know it's like mm-hmm. like like with adam's video it's like let's learn one thing and we'll test it we'll try it we'll we'll iterate on it and then after that we'll we'll figure out what works and what didn't and then we'll learn something else and it's and it's kind of it's things take a lot more time than i think we we kind of give ourselves to achieve things and then that then breathes and and breeds this idea of of kind of like oh i haven't achieved this goal when really you know it's just about lowering your expectations of 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 the thing and giving mm-hmm. yourself a bit more time a bit more freedom to learn it you know yeah, it's yeah. um well i remember when every, i learned everything is iterative when i lived in russia learning russian was so hard but then you'd go yeah, home you you you'd, you'd, you'd feel like you know nothing and you'd go home for a summer i'd go back to canada for like 2 months and I come back and all of a sudden everything that I had learned and struggled to remember was just there in my head and I knew it mm. and then I was ready to learn more yeah. and I had just had this time to like for osmosis to occur for it to just sink in subconsciously Absolutely. without even thinking about it. So, you know, it's like, or you play guitar today for a few weeks and you suck, but then you don't touch it for a month and all of a sudden some of those things, they come back so quickly and you're that much better. And, yeah. And yeah. it's just, uh, yeah. Boom. your body yeah. needs time to, think, to manage what you learned. I, yeah. I reckon... I reckon a lot of it as well is um, I, I think, I think, I think sometimes the kind of popular rhetoric that we have in the world is about learning new things. And like, when we think about what learning is like a lot of people believe that it's the acquisition of new skills. Whereas I actually believe that it's a, it's more a process of unlearning. It's a process of, of kind of, I believe that we all know everything that we need to know mm-hmm. in life. And we just need to unlearn some of the kind of social stigmas, some of the, you know, not listen to our ego that will hold us back and tell you that you can't do things. And like, you already know it. Like right now you can play the guitar as well as Jimi Hendrix. You just don't believe you can, or you don't know you can. And, 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 and it's, it's a beautiful thing because I mean, in my experience, at least most of the things that I've learned on this bike tour and throughout the last probably, you know, two, three years, um, since kind of, you know, rebirth mm-hmm. <laughs> or whatever you want to call it. Um, really, really, I think I've, I've learned more from unlearning <laughs> than I okay. have from learning. Yeah. Like really challenging what I think about the world and being like, really, is that, is that, is that true? Is that, is that what you've found or is that, is that a perception? Is that something that you've, you've just thought? And um, it's when, it's when you start to challenge it that way. I think it's uh, the, the period of unlearning is, 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 is really quite magical. Yeah. This is a this is a really interesting podcast episode because I think we only kind of really touched on bike touring and it's been so much about just life and like enlighten not enlightenment per se but <laughs> but it's been everything around oh. bike touring and why somebody might you know it might take them to that alternative we, route should, of life. Should we should we do some should we do some bike stuff now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's talk about biking. Um, <laughs> yeah, bike stuff. <laughs> but let's talk about uh, what what are your hopes and expectations from this bike tour? What like what is the ultimate goal? Is there a goal? No, I don't. I don't, I don't think there's a goal. I, I'm. I don't really think there's 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 certainly not an expectation. Um, <clears throat> the reason I kind of I've I've set Nepal as as kind of my as my kind of first figurehead because okay. uh, I, I know, <clears throat> I know that I want to go to Copan monastery and I know that I want to do the Annapurna and I want to, I want to do, mm. um, I want to do base camp. I know those three things okay. they're, they're definite sets, but after that really the options are to cycle back through to Europe, through the stands and relive a lot of, you know, part of Growler's journey and, and see how that's changed. Mm-hmm. And also to experience those, those different cultures and faiths. 
Um, also an opportunity maybe to go to South America and, and do Colombia um, to Argentina or maybe to head over to Japan. You know, as I've, as I've been studying a lot of sort of Alan Watson and DT Suzuki, I've become really fascinated with Zen um, and, and, and would really like to go and experience that and see what that's all about in a bit more depth. Um, but really, I think it's just, I think it's just an opportunity as a kind of wider goal. This, this cycle tour is about, it's a bit of a pilgrimage for me. It's about discovery. Yeah. It's about kind of claiming back some of the time that, I kind of have invested in, in, in the matrix and, and also kind of an opportunity to learn and unlearn really. That's, that's kind of really what I want to, that's really what I, what I want to achieve. And, and kind of, and ever since, and ever since I started to sort of really talk about this tour, one of the things that, and I kind of mentioned this a little bit earlier on, I suppose it, it, it answers your question, but, um, I kind of, I started devoting a lot of time and a lot of energy, uh, in, in, in kind of meditation to, to, to think about an idea, um, which is a, this kind of idea of different currencies and alternate currencies, because in, in, in the world that I grew up in, in the West, in, in, in Europe, um, you know, the, the idea that I grew up with the popular belief, sometimes sort of a lot of people call it the belief system, like <laughs> BS, but mm. like the, the idea, the idea is, you know, it's, it's, it's all, it's all conjunctured around the idea of fiscal exchange. So it's like, I will give you money in exchange for your time. Right. So, you know, going to work and doing a nine to five or whatever that might be, mm -hmm. the, the fiscal exchange is king. And so as I started to kind of explore the world and explore myself a bit more deeply, I started to really question whether or not I wanted to buy into that fiscal exchange and that sort of mode of currency. And then I started to ask myself what different modes of currency there were out there. And so one of the ones that I'm really exploring deeply at the moment, and, and this is actually around us in a lot more ways than we think, but one of them is like reciprocity as a currency, the idea of doing something for someone mm -hmm. and receiving something back without the exchange of money. Okay. And so a lot of, a lot of platforms that exist in, in our world as cyclists, um, you know, are, are really showing that to, to huge extent. So think of warm showers, you know, warm showers is a platform built, you know, for people to stay with other cyclists when they're not touring and vice versa. Right. So, so the, 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 the idea of warm showers is reciprocity as a currency. You know, it's like, we'll help you out and you can come and share ideas in the, in the hope that when we're touring in your country, you'll help us out. True. You know, and there's, and there's so many different currencies. Reciprocity is just one. There's energetic currencies. There's, you know, there's, there's simple, simple currencies that I think other cultures, especially here in Southeast Asia and in the Far East and Central Asia as well, they, they hold to a much higher esteem than what we do in the West. Mm. And, um, and I think that, I think that I really want to explore that and I want to prove to myself and I also want to prove to the world that, that, that these alternate types of currencies are just as valid. They just don't apply the same kind of greed and egotistic effect as, as, as a monetary exchange. It's all very deep and heavy. This I'm actually a really normal, nice dude. Like I promise. <laughs> like you know, I like to talk shit, and you know, I like I like to kind of you know, I like to do like you know, normal stuff. It's not all just kind of like 
but yeah, you know, you've asked me some pretty provoking questions, so I thought I'd answer with. <laughs> it's good. Response. It's it's interesting because I, I just I like I like different people. I like these different aspects of life, and uh, and after I looked at your stuff and a couple of the messages we sent back and forth, I thought this is going to be a really deep podcast, and it's not going to be just like tell me about your bike and your gears and your chain and this and that, but it's gonna it's gonna go. <laughs> Which is good. Like, I mean, I, I like talking about that stuff too, but I also like to see why people yeah. tour and, and your story of why you tour is very different from a lot of the ones I've heard. So that's kind of neat. Yeah. It's good. I enjoyed it. Um, maybe we should do this again in, uh, in a year or so uh, with Beck and uh, talk more about um, uh, alternative currencies and how her trip has gone and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd love that. And I, I think she would too. It'd be great. Perfect. She's... um. She's never cycled um, before, so I think the next couple of months is going to be kind of really taking it easy and, you know, limiting our mileage and Mm -hmm. taking it nice and slow and also kind of just falling in love, which is something that I'm really excited to do all over again. Um, And and kind of then maybe, you know, six, eight, nine, ten, twelve months, I reckon we'll be in Nepal. Um, So maybe 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 you'll catch us. We'll get in touch. Maybe you'll catch us when we before or after base camp sweet all right well i think you know what uh oh. sam it's time for me to let you go because uh it's 10 o'clock here in canada and the rain has stopped and we have a swarm showers host 76 kilometers away from here so we gotta get on the Ooh, bikes shortly. enjoy yeah just remember that you know every headwind is actually a tailwind in disguise you just have to ride the opposite direction so you'll figure it out <laughs> All right, everybody. Sorry about that. Um, Now we'll carry on with the second part of the interview. We had to stop because of a time crunch. So here is Sam Rice for the second part. Hey, Chris. Hey, Sam. How you doing? I'm doing good. Where are you now? Uh, I am uh, in a little place called uh, Fanra, Fanra. Uh, which is about 300 kilometers out of Ho Chi Minh City. Oh, okay. Nice. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, attempt to do my longest ride today, um, which will be 197 or two, basically 200k. Damn. So, nice. Why don't you tell us a bit about your tour how long it's going to be for and where you're planning to go and whatnot okay yeah cool uh the tour for me is a bit of an interesting one so i started off uh doing those training rides in in australia and then Mm -hmm. uh really i wanted to make sure that i spent uh quite a bit of time uh in asia so so far um i've done uh, Malaysia, starting in Penang, uh, Thailand, uh, Cambodia, and I'm currently in Vietnam. Okay. Uh, I took a fairly interesting route into Vietnam. I, I crossed over at the Snul border in Cambodia, mm-hmm. and instead of doing the kind of normal thing of heading straight to Ho Chi Minh City and then riding up the coast or, or vice versa, um, I decided that I really wanted to go and hang out in the mountains, so I went to Dalat first. Oh, okay. Um, so you haven't been to Ho Chi Minh yet, right? 
No, no, no. I've been I've been saving it because there's a present that awaits me in Ho Chi Minh, and that is my partner. So, <laughs> so I'm I'm waiting for that one. So yeah, up to Dalat, and then I've just spent a couple of days hanging out in um, Nechang uh, on the coast, and then yesterday I had a uh, a nice day riding probably 130, 125, 130 down to Phang Ra, and then now. Yeah, I'm just planning a, a long, uh, my longest day ever, which is going to be just short of 200k, uh, down to a little place called La La Gi, La Gi, okay. I think. And then I actually think I might treat myself and I might get a night bus um, over to Ho Chi Minh because uh, as soon as I meet Beck, I'll be um, turning around and heading back the same way. So okay, gotcha. I think um, I might just get a bus because that... I heard that the part that that connects Laji to Ho Chi Minh is um, is not an awesome ride, and it's it's just not great. So I'm thinking I want to I, I want to try and meet her as soon as possible. So I've only got a couple of days, so I think I'll um, I might just get a, a a short hour and a half bus. Yeah, often those last like 50 to 100 kilometers around a big city really suck. Like they're just yeah full of transit yeah. and shitty roads yeah. and smog and pollution and yeah. yeah i remember riding into bangkok i was like no i'm gonna do the whole thing and i i rode into bangkok and it was it was just it was just a shit day it was just it was just really shit loads and loads of congestion uh and it was yeah it was pretty rough um and then and then kind of back back to your question after uh, after I pick up Beck uh, on the 26th, we're going to be heading um, north uh, along the coast to Hanoi. And then after Hanoi up to Hat Yang, we're going to do the Hat Yang Loop. Mm-hmm. And then Sapa and then into northern Laos. Northern Laos will take us through to northern Thailand. Yep. Um, where, like I said, we'll do... Obviously, the sort of Chiang Mai, Chiang Rai, and then Mei Hong Song loop. Uh, but you'll just do like you'll I'll, do like a half Mei Hong Song loop going down towards Mei Sot, right? Yeah, yeah, the yeah, kind of nice. half loop. Yeah, I watched a few of your videos and uh, read a few articles, and um, the Mei Hong Song looks uh, it looks challenging, but looks really, really, really fun. <clears throat> yeah, it's really something else. It's it's beautiful. Beautiful. After that, Myanmar. And then uh, the only way we've planned is me and my India Nepal um, to do some hiking and some uh, hanging out in Nepal. I want to cycle the Annapurna or at least as much of it as I can. Yep. And um, I want to do base camp, Everest base camp. Oh yeah, you mentioned um, that. Yeah, nice. And then after, and then after <laughs> Nepal, that's where kind of the planning stops. I. I actually didn't really want to plan that much because I wanted to really invite a lot of uh, a lot of spontaneity and a lot of just uh, just kind of freestyling and just yeah. seeing what happens along the way. So I've I haven't planned anything after Nepal. It will be a conversation for both me and Beck. Um, do we want to cycle back to the UK through the stands or do we want to do something else? Mm-hmm. It depends. Yeah, there's also, I mean, you're going to meet other travelers and they might have advice and, and things that they say. A good chance of that anyways, getting derailed, so. Yeah, precisely. 
and, and any time I've tried to plan my life before, it's always kind of backfired. So, <laughs> so, I've, so I've just I just learned just to kind of take it a bit more easy and just be and just be a bit more malleable with it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I I need to get to Nepal, and I, I it's been it's been a dream since I was a kid to to go to Nepal and, and climb Everest and and kind of you know adventure around that part of the world. So yeah. um, that's the current that's the current uh, sort of goal, but. Who knows what the future holds? One of my previous guests, Matt Galat, he uh, he climbed, actually climbed Everest, and he talked about the ridiculous cost that goes behind that. But going just to base camp, is that expensive? Is there much of a charge, or is it something that's doable? I don't know. So in my research, um, I think it's, it's like most things. I think you've got, you've, you've got a couple of different options. I think if you want to do it self-supported, and kind of make your own way to base camp. Uh, I know a few people that have done that, and they said that uh, fully self-supported with no portals or anything like that, I think it cost them about $600 okay. US. Okay. Um, and it took them about three weeks. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, I've, I've, never, I've never climbed anything as, as kind of impressive as, as Everest before. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I want to freestyle it. And also, if it's going to be me and Beck, it's probably the once in a lifetime that we're going to do this. So I think we will probably Get go as part of a, a group, yeah, yeah, or go as supporters. And I think that works out to be about anywhere between, I don't know, 1500 to $2,000. Okay. So... It's going to be a substantial amount of the budget, but that said, um, I think it's something you know you you've got to factor these things in. And when you do travel by bike, you can live on you know such a small amount of money every day that you know you can start to. Uh, it sounds a bit strange, but you can almost start to save within your savings whilst you're traveling <laughs> yeah, because yeah. you're spending so little. <laughs> What has what has been a highlight so far on the trip? Is there anything that stands out to you? Oh, there's so much, <laughs> so much that stands out. Um, Let's keep it to I'll the top of, 100. No. <laughs> the, the top, the top 100, the hundred things that will change your life. Um, I think, I, I think, I think the there's a certain kind of two step process to this. So I reckon the thing that really has been a highlight is the people for me learning and also unlearning from the people and and just seeing so many happy smiley faces and just endless curiosity and endless kind of um, compassion and giving from from people has been has been a huge highlight um, but to try and put a vignette around a, a moment i i was in thailand and cycling north of um, trang and mm-hmm. i was in a really kind of small part of thailand and uh, I don't know. I don't know if, if 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 heaps of people go that that route because it's kind of crossing over a bit of a national park to get over a different side. Okay. Um, and I was going through, and I had a big day. I think I was doing. I think it was about 170 k's that day, and um, I was sort of basking in the in the sunset, and it was beautiful, and I was enjoying it so much, and then. Before I knew it, it was pitch black, and I was like, "Oh, damn!" <laughs> I it kind of caught up on me real quick, mm-hmm. and so I turned into a what, uh, a, a pagoda, yeah. And um, I spoke to one of the sort of young novice monks um, and asked him if I could stay, 
And he was like, yeah, sure, you know, stay. And spoke to the Sawawat, the, the kind of leader of the, uh, of the, the temple. And that, that short moment ended up turning into sort of three days of me hanging out with this young kind of procession of monks. And there was about oh, wow. seven or eight of them in the end. And, you know, there was everything from impromptu English lessons to they, they took me out on, on a really, really, one of the most special days of my life, actually. Um, in, in, in Thai Buddhist culture, uh, the monks go out every morning to collect rice and Correct. offerings from their local um, ceremony. Uh, and the ceremony itself is called Bintabat, or just Tabat. And um, yeah, on, on, on the first morning, the, the, the young monks woke me up and said, Sam, come, come. So I woke up at 4.30 a.m. and uh, out into the streets we went as the sun was rising. And uh, I was able to participate in, in, in a Tabat, tabat. ceremony. Ah. And, um, and it was beautiful because one of the, one of the things that I want to try and explore a bit more on this on, on, on this journey is the idea of reciprocity as a currency mm-hmm. and and these guys these young men were living it every single day and you know the the monk's code is not to uh, not to receive money or spend money it's about you know giving and taking and, and, and receiving in that way yeah and they give the and blessings so, right for the bit of food and yeah so they bless each individual house and say a prayer and yeah, it's just a really nice kind of cycle um, for for everyone. And it was it was a really special it was a really special thing. And I think it came at the right time for me because I think I was probably only three weeks into my journey, and so the the resonance of what I was trying to sort of set out uh, was was still really really strong. Okay. Um, and and so to meet it head on in such a in such a powerful way really really kind of meant a lot for me. That's awesome. And you look like also I saw your pictures in Cambodia. You had an amazing time with a, a local family in Cambodia as well. And um, Yeah. And yeah, that was cool because a lot you, of people complain about Cambodia and it's not their favorite country in Southeast Asia. But yeah. there's some really special it, it, people there. Yeah, it's funny you say that because going coming from Thailand into Cambodia, heaps and heaps and heaps of cyclists were like, Oh, you know, just, just, just cycle straight through it and get to Vietnam. Don't, don't spend any time there. Like it's, it's dirty. The roads are horrible. It's not good. The people will scam you. I have to admit, I, I, I try to live my life without too many expectations, although, you know, I'm human. Um, but I, I went there kind of, you know, not really sure what to expect. And I had a yeah. ball. I, I had such a great time. Um, and yeah, you know, of the, of the Southeast Asian countries, it is slightly more expensive because I think that yeah. Cambodia use, uses the U.S. dollar to their advantage. They but do. At the same and, time, and there's a big corruption fee, too, I think, um, like because I lived there for a little while. So there's there's so many things come in and then bribes have to be paid so it just drives the prices up like yeah it's part of yeah. life there it's just but, part of life but yeah i mean I, I met some beautiful beautiful people amazing warm showers hosts just random people cycling through little villages that invited me for barbecues and you know and and, and food and drink and we shared coconuts and watermelons together mm-hmm. and just really just really open inviting people um i didn't have any scams uh, I think I might have been charged an extra dollar entering into a waterfall, but like, come on, yeah. you know, that's, that's okay. Um, 
um, yeah, and and the only thing that I would say is that um, the one thing that 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 I that I didn't love so much is. Uh, I didn't. I didn't really vibe the food that much in yeah. in Cambodia, um, to be honest. But that said, I think I think it's really synonymous with 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 where they're at. You know, we we, yeah. we, we constantly have to remind ourselves that that this country only what forty odd years ago have come out of a huge huge genocidal rage from yeah. from from a, an awful 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 regime, and I think that. I think that food is a really beautiful way of, of kind of s- signposting and signaling where a country is in its kind of austerity. Because, you know, when I when I first got to Cambodia, people were offering me like bugs and, you know, they eat the... They're really good. The, the bugs are awesome. Yeah, yeah the <laughs> bugs are so good. They're so good. And scorpions and, and all the like um, <clears throat> tarantulas and frogs and all sorts. Yeah, it was so good. I had barbecue rat on the side of a mountain, which serious? like, I mean, I don't know. I, wow. I don't know if that's a normal traditional thing or not, but I definitely had some and it was, and it was good. <laughs> but, but yeah, you can, you can tell a lot about a country from its food. And I think that, um, I think we have to, we have to also be patient with the fact that, you know, the country's still coming out of a pretty, a pretty awful time. And, and, but, but the beautiful thing is there's hope. There's there's so much hope and there's so much happiness and um, and 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 kind of opportunity for the country. So um, I, I I spent two, three weeks, three three and a bit weeks there, and I loved it. Yeah, I loved it, and I would definitely recommend. Awesome, good endorsement. Eating strange foods, it just happens. I mean, I was in Indonesia 2012, and I was walking past a little curry shop and. I asked to eat whatever that guy was eating. And then afterwards they told me it was dog and I was blown away because I'd already told the guy, he asked me if it was good. And I was like, yeah, it was really good. And he says, it was dog. And I was like, oh shit. (laughs) And I wasn't, I wasn't really cool on it, but in the, in the hindsight, I had to admit to myself too. Well, I did say I liked it. It was good. I mean, regardless of my, my personal feelings to what I ate, the, the meat itself, it, it tasted good. I would need it again, yeah. knowing what I know now. But <laughs> I think I, I think coming into Vietnam, that was my that was my biggest fear. I was looking around, and I was like, "What happens if like I, I end up accidentally eating dog?" Mm-hmm. Um, but it's quite it's quite clearly signposted, so um, it's it's easy. It's easy to see. You're using a. We talked about your bike a little bit earlier. Um, a traditional four pannier system. I'm going to ride both systems as well, just like you. You know, depending what I want to do. If I want to get on my mountain bike and go in the woods, I'll put on a bike packing system. You know, what's your thoughts? I, I think, like anything in life, uh, things evolve, and you know, bike touring has been has been a tried and tested, beautiful way of of, of carting a human around the world using their own sort of pedal power. Um, and then after a while, you know, mountain biking uh, evolved, and then now we've kind of got this hybrid, which is which is bike packing. But mm-hmm. in my mind, I, I I kind of feel like bike packing is just an abstraction from bike touring. We're both we're both we're all doing the same thing. It's just perhaps we're we're coming at it from different from from different angles. Um, I reckon I reckon like anything in life, it comes down to your goals and your needs. You know, if you're doing a, a, a multi-continent, multi-year travel, 
then I, I still think that a traditional touring bike is is a really great setup, um, or at least it is for me. Um, to, and, and if you're going to be on, you know, mainly sealed roads, and you, maybe you'll do a little bit of off-roading, but it's not going to be the predominant part, then I think the traditional touring bike is mm. is great because it, the four pannier system allows you to have real great control over the bike. You can descend really, really smoothly, put all your weight and balance it out across the four panniers. It's beautiful. However, that said, if if you're going to be doing some of the stuff like Tristan Reed in, in, in Africa and, um, you know, some of the other guys like Of Dirt Ali. and Clouds. Yeah. And, yeah, Ali and Of Dirt and Clouds and um, Carl and the boys that are, that are doing um, uh, South America at the moment. I probably wouldn't want to use my Vivente for that because I'd want to have something, you know, with, with, with higher profile tires that could take on different, more kind of gritty terrain um, and something that perhaps might be a bit lighter as well because, you know, uh, over in South America, you're spending a couple of weeks uh, up, up at kind of 4,000 plus meters. So you want to try and, you know, keep keep weight to a minimum because you're constantly climbing and descending, climbing and descending. So I think when, when I go and do South America, I think I might bite the bullet and get myself like a, an ECR or a, a Krampus or something like that and, and kind of try the whole bikepacking thing. But right now for my needs, um, I've, I've no, no problem with my bike at all. And I think that it will, it will get me where I need to go. Um, I hope. <laughs> I hope so. Anyway, <laughs> what will your partner be bringing out? What is she going to be riding? Um, so, just 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 by luck, actually, um, Beck's also riding a Vivente, the same as me. Huh, okay. um, so she's riding a small frame, a second hand one, um, that we found dirt cheap. We found it for like two hundred dollars. Nice. Um, so so super cheap. And then we've spent we spent a, a a little bit, maybe about six. At 600 bucks, putting new rims, new tires, new handlebars. She had a complete new drivetrain and gear system put on it. Um, so it's 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 a it's it's a completely different bike to what it was. Um, but yeah, she's she's got a, a an awesome little bike coming actually. Um, and she's kind of gone for two panniers at the rear and then uh, a cage at the front with like a bike packing uh, bag at the oh, front. Oh, okay, nice. That'd be good. So she's kind of gone hybrid. Yeah. I like what you said about the evolution of um, bikepacking is kind of like an evolution. I think <clears throat> I was thinking about that too. And, um, you know, bike tours are all over the world. They're hitting up all the big roads and sometimes small roads. But like the next place, the next unfound place, the place people haven't been is these small little really crappy roads and trails through through villages and stuff and and that's the next place so to get that to do that effectively the bikepacking setups are perfect yeah 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 i i think i think that's spot on definitely but you know we're, we're, we're all evolving too and and you know people start out in bike touring rigs and then before you know it then they transition and they're on bikepacking rigs and I know some maybe maybe the next uh, evolution for us all is to ride like recumbent bikes and <laughs> maybe who knows so are you going to arrive in Nepal probably around what October November is that the plan or? um the plan is maybe to get there around December January December January okay yeah so um 
I think that's kind of peak time, to be honest. So I imagine that's going to make things a bit more expensive. But I just don't think feasibly we'll be able to get there uh, any shorter than that without okay. sort of punching out huge, huge rides. Because um, Beck's done some cycling, but she's not, she's not, you know, super, super, super confident. So yeah. I'm, I'm going to be spending the first probably three, four weeks getting her up to being comfortable doing, you know, eighties, nineties, hundreds. Um, I think it's important to, to kind of, you know, build her up progressively rather than kind of just, you know, throwing her in the deep end and being like, well, you know, this <laughs> yeah, yeah. is, this is what my tour is like. <laughs> suck it <laughs> up, know? suck it up. <laughs> yeah, suck it up. <laughs> so I think, I, um, I think it would just be a case of making sure uh, she's happy and, and also I've not seen her in, in, in such a long time. It's been like three and a half, four months. You know, I, I'm, I'm really excited saying, just to yeah. sort of spend some time with her. So what has been, uh, one of the most difficult moments yet on this tour? Has there been anything that was just extremely hairy or depressing or anything like that? No, no, I, I'm, I'm touch wood. I'm really, really, really pleased to say that I have had nothing but kindness and nothing but beautiful, beautiful experiences. Um, I mean, you know, you're you're in control of how you feel. That's 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 the thing that I always live by, you know. And so, of course, I've had shitty days. You know, of course, I've got times where, you know. I'm I'm on like a highway in Cambodia and I'm like oh I just want to get off this highway I want to go and you know go and see some nature or take take a different route and that route ends up being you know a massive climb just to a dead end and yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know and you know and you constantly doubling back on yourself and you know I've had shitty days but the thing is they they're just they're just part of the journey you know it's 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 all part of it I haven't had anything that that's really that's really really kind of caused me uh, any concern or upset um and i'm i'm truly thankful for that because i was reading just earlier a guy um who's cycling for for cancer at the moment um who in iran of all places ended up getting robbed and pretty badly beaten up oh, shit. so so sending him good vibes um mm-hmm. And, and yeah, I mean, everything I've heard from about Iran has been incredible. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's I, very unusual to hear that, Nick. Uh, yeah, I, I, very. From what I've heard, it's like Iran and Turkey are like two of them. Just unbelievable places to ride. Yeah, yeah. And, and everyone's super nice and relaxed and welcoming. If you could, uh, has there been any one piece of advice somebody's given you that has just been priceless? Oh, great question, Chris. Oh, with with regards to bike touring, uh, yeah, the best piece of advice and advice that I'd offer is, despite what people say, always carry a tent, because <laughs> because the tent gives you so much freedom. If if for whatever reason you have, you know, a, a day like we all have on the bike, and uh, we just want to, you know, cycle forever and ever and ever and ever and not stop, um, the tent just offers you so much flexibility. Uh, a lot of a lot of people said to me, "Oh, you know, you're going to be starting in in Asia. You won't need a tent because, you know, you can yeah. sleep in temples, Hammocks, or it's so cheap and hammock. all that sort of stuff." But I've thoroughly enjoyed my tent, and it's it's had so much use. 
um, and it is, it's every view for me. It's, it blocks the sun if I'm on the beach just chilling. It offers me places to yeah. uh, sleep at night. It's obviously a great mosquito net so that I don't get bitten to death and get dengue or anything like that. What um, kind of scent are you using? So, oh, oh, on, only the uh, the well tried and tested Hubba Hubba. Oh, it's the Hubba Hubba. MSA. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I actually started off with a with a really old Hubba uh, one person tent, and it was awesome. Loved it. It like fit in uh, in like a front pannier. It was it was amazing. But um, yeah, since since Bex joining me, I had to invest in a new tent. Fair enough. But no, um, yeah, just just carry a tent. I think it's great. Uh, other than uh, other than that, just a lot of the advice that I've been given is just around mindset and you know just just not to overwork your body, um, really, because I think I think that's a common a common mistake that a lot of people do. You know they. Yeah. They'll cr- they'll crush out 150k days every day. kilometers. <laughs> oh yeah, well that that's this is more of a personal challenge because my biggest day before that was 173, okay. and I'm like, mm, I reckon I I reckon I've got a few more in me after that. <laughs> so <laughs> so if I can hit 200, I'll be really happy. I've done um, a, I've done a 220 two 225s in a row when in Malaysia from KL to Penang, but I was only carrying about three or five kilos on the back of my bike in a, wow. on a on a rack so i had nothing my wife seema flew to penang for the weekend and met me there and then she brought extra clothes and everything for me so i just like literally had nothing and it was, that is that's great but it was a road that's bike great. i didn't have i didn't have 25 kilos of luggage and all that stuff you know so it was a, it was oh, a right. different game <laughs> But but doing it back to back is an effort. I did I did that two hundred and fifty k race, and that was that was intense for me, really intense. Yeah, I did not feel good after I got to Penang. Yeah, I bet you didn't. <laughs> I, I literally took the first hotel I found, and Seema came, and she's like, "Why did you take such a shitty hotel?" And I was like, "I couldn't care less at that point. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't care. I just needed to sleep." <laughs> yeah, I was like, I knew I had like three hours, and I'm gonna die. So I'm just gonna. <laughs> All yeah, right, that's it. All right, Sam, thank you so much. I think I'll let you go here. I'll let you uh, get on your day. You have a big, huge one ahead of you. Thanks for doing thank this. You. Uh, thank this you very much. Part two of the interview because we had to get cut off last time because I was uh, I had to get out riding. So thanks no for worries. making up this extra no time. And, uh, and uh, have a safe day. Thanks, man. I'll see you soon. Yep. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. I... Hope you enjoyed this episode with Sam Rice. I know it was a long one, but I think there was a lot of good information in there. And uh, this was the extended version. So, yeah, it was like almost two hours long. An hour and a half, hour 45. It's not so bad. It's only 15 minutes longer than the other one. So I hope you enjoyed. And, um, yeah, if you did enjoy... You can uh, hit subscribe on whatever podcast app you're using. You could um, shoot me a comment if you like. You could even go to my website, www.biketouradventures.com. Check it out. Shoot me a message. Tell me what you like. Tell me what you'd like to see, and I will see what I can do. So if you did like what Sam had to say, as he said, you can check him out at 
Adventures with an S by Cycle. Adventures by Cycle on Facebook, Instagram. He has a website, adventuresbycycle.com. Check him out. Talk to you later. In next week's episode, I'm interviewing an amazing cyclist who was once a bike tour and now is a ultra distance racer, which I guess is another type of touring. His name is Jonas Dykman. He is from Germany. He has just finished completing the Biking Man series. He currently holds the record as the fastest person to cycle across Eurasia in 65 days, the fastest person to cycle the Americas from Alaska to Argentina in 97 days, and he is about to embark on a two-man record attempt cycling from North Cape, Norway to Cape Town, South Africa in 75 days. That's 18,000 kilometers, folks. If you are interested in this, check out next week's interview and follow him along on his journey. Thank you and keep on pedaling. I want to end the show by thanking all my listeners once again for the emails and comments I regularly receive from you. It really helps motivate me and keep me going with this project and to continue sharing people's amazing stories. If you have questions or comments, you can email me at bike at bikepackadventures.ca or go to bikepackadventures.ca and shoot me a message through the contact form. You can also check out the webpage for past podcast episodes, bikepacking routes throughout Canada, blog posts, videos, and touring tips. Lastly, I'd like to once again thank all the individuals and companies that are supporting the podcast. If you are enjoying the show and like what I'm doing, you can become one of my show supporters by going to patreon.com slash bikepackadventures. And for just a few dollars a month, you can help keep this show going. You can also help out by sending a one-time donation through PayPal. This money all goes back into the podcast, help me to cover the costs associated with running the show, buy new equipment when necessary, and produce the high-quality content that you've become accustomed to. Much appreciated, and keep on pedaling.